All right, did you guys all catch those? All right, just want to make sure you had your coffee this morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, my name is Dave. Oh, thank you for saying good morning. I should have said good morning. Good morning. All right, all right, that's good. Hey, um, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, very, very excited about uh, the message and, and where we're going this morning. And um, I'm sure that all of us in this room are looking, maybe it's even why you're here today, is that we're looking for stuff. I mean, we're looking for our life to really matter, and we're looking for the answers. And how frustrating would it be if you come to some guru and you realize, actually, he's got nothing to offer you, right? And some of you may walk out and say, yeah, we experienced that today. Um, <laughs> thank you. <clears throat> um, but really, this morning, I, I just want you to think about, you know, how, how is your life going? How's it going? Is it empty? Is it vain with this kind of like empty stuff stirring around? Or is it really producing the results that you're looking for? Are, are you really living the life that you're looking for? And that's why we're talking um, in this series, we're talking about being immortal and trying to figure out what's a, what should we be doing if we really are people who, who are never going to die? And are we living in such a way to do that? So I found um, there was a nurse who spent years uh, working with people in the last few months of their life. And so she counseled them through their pain and their suffering as they were really on their deathbed. And so she ended up writing a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. I thought this would be interesting. So this is somebody who's sat with numbers and numbers of people who when life was at its very end, she kept hearing these same regrets. And so let's listen to these and see if we can relate to these. Number five was, I wish that I had let myself be happier. And as you read her little paragraph underneath that, what this really means is, at the end of people's lives, they're realizing, I could have lived a much greater life than the one that I lived. And somehow, I just let myself live this mediocre unfulfilling life. And at the end, they're going, why did I do that? I wish I would have let myself be happier. Number four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Anybody relate to that one? I mean, the older I get, man, and, you know, and especially if you're on Facebook or anything, it's like, man, there's all these people now that I haven't seen in years. And, and, um, and relationships is what we realize in our last day are all that really matter. Number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Isn't that interesting? I wish I would have actually been able to let people know who I really am, which is interesting. Well, we'll get to that. Number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. <laughs> all right? And we've all heard this one. She, she said this. Every man said that one. Every man said that one, that they wish they hadn't worked so hard. And number one, the number one regret of the dying is I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, and not the life that other people expected of me. The number one regret is I wasn't me. I wasn't real. I wasn't authentic. I was being something that everybody else wanted me to be, and now my life's over, and I don't have another shot, and I never got to be me. Wouldn't that be frustrating? And I, I know for some of you, it's, it's frustrating right now, because you just, you just know you're not fully being who you want to be. So here we go. We're in this series called Immortal. And immortal, living like you're never going to die. And because Jesus Christ told us. I mean, that's what we're here for, you guys. We're here because we believe with all of our heart in Jesus Christ. 
We believe he was the son of God. We believe he was the revelation of God. We believe that he was the Savior sent into this world. We believe he's the only one who actually had the true wisdom of what this whole thing's all about. And here's what he said. We talked about this last week. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he says, do you believe this? Right? And I asked you that question last week. Do you believe that? Yeah. Okay, one person does. This is going to be good. All right. Um, no, but I mean, last week it was just a resounding, yeah, right? And then I just challenged you. I said, okay, so let's see if we actually do. See, because what we're going to talk about a little bit today is what would a person who knows that they're never going to die? So if, you, if, you're, if you're a believer in Jesus and this whole afterlife thing, which is a mystery to all of us, but Jesus makes it very clear, you guys, if you believe me, you're never going to die. If, if I live believing that, then what would be my top regret? What would be my top regret? What would be yours if you know that someday, when this life is over, you're actually going to keep going in the presence of God? Well, Paul knew this with all of his heart. And here's what he said later on, and we'll get to this probably in two weeks as we're going through this book, 1 Thessalonians. But in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, he says, After all, what gives us hope, what gives us joy, what will be our proud reward and our crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It's you. <laughs> he goes, yes, you are our pride and joy. In other words, Paul, what Paul is saying is, when life is all over, he goes, I know two things. I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus, <laughs> and, and so are you. Everybody is, okay? So that's the one thing we know. So that has motivation for Paul because he knows he's going to stand before Jesus. And then he says, and what's going to be my crown? What's going to be my reward? He goes, don't you know it's you? You know, you guys, on our deathbed, if we're people, because all of these top five regrets, what was so interesting about them is they all were regrets for what we, the past, for the life that we didn't live. And what I noticed about none of those regrets had any thought about the future. But if you believe you're never going to die, if you know that, that Christ has given you eternal life, then really the only re re real regret will be, what did I do down here that's going to make an impact forever? You guys remember? You guys get that? That's what we're going to regret. And Paul says, the only thing I'm going to regret would be if you guys don't come with me. <laughs> because my greatest joy and my hope and my crown are going to be people. As I stand before Jesus, Jesus is going to go, way to go, man. You brought as many people with you as you could. So imagine getting to the end of your life and nothing happened. Imagine getting to the end of your life and there was no significance and you actually lived your life in vain. And you didn't have any of that to take with you. And what we want to talk about today is what's going to keep us from that experience? What's going to keep us? Don't you want to lay in your bed when you know your days are numbered and any moment can go and just be like, I kicked it out. I did it, man. That was Paul, right? He goes, man, I fought the fight. I finished the race. Woo! He's like, I'm ready to go because I know I live down here. And so 
where we're going today is Paul said last week, he goes, so listen, you guys imitate me, right? Imitate me and imitate Jesus. Because Jesus knew and Paul knew with all of his being, he was going to live forever. And so he lived a certain way. So we're in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. By the way, if you, if you weren't here last week, we're just going to go through this book. It's a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Thessalonica. And it's called 1 Thessalonians. And, and you can pull out your Bible and stuff and get ready for that. And if you can pull it up on your phone or it'll be up here on your screen. The first verse we're going to look at today is this. 1 Thessalonians 2.1. You know, brothers and sisters, Paul's telling the church, that our visit to you was not without results. In other words, said, Paul said, when I came to you and I, sh- and I shared this really, really awesome news about God, you know that it didn't come without results. Something happened. That word actually means that it wasn't in vain. It wasn't empty. In other words, Paul knew the secret to actually living a life that was productive and that produced life so that at the end of his days, he could have joy in his, ho- in his heart. So why wasn't it in vain? Why was it fruitful? What was it about him? And here's the most interesting thing to me, what we're going to look at today. Paul's life had impact, and it was productive because he was authentic. Because he was authentic. And that's what we're going to see here. So, listen to this. People's number one regret on their deathbed is I wasn't me. And I did what everybody else expected me to do. I did what everybody else wanted me to do. And I was never me. How interesting is it that Paul says, we're going to look at this here, he's going to unpack this, that if you're going to have any type of impact at the end of your life, you've got to be authentic. You have to be completely real. And if you'll be authentic, you guys, for all of us who have Christ living inside of us, if we're going to live an authentic life, I tell you what, you will be productive. And you will lay in your deathbed one day, and you'll be at peace because you know you lived a true life and not a false one. All right? So let's pray, and then we'll unpack this thing. God, thank you for this morning. And man, I know. I'm, I'm just asking, Lord, if people in here today would get half as much out of this message as I have studying it, that'd be a really good thing. And I know you've challenged me deeply, and I just want to ask now, Lord, that you'd come and just open the eyes of our heart, help us to understand the reality of this life and the life we can live. God, help us to walk out of here free and bold to live who we really are in you. And I ask that your word would just do its job, and that your Holy Spirit, out of your great love for every person in here, would set us free, God, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here's what I'm going to look at, that an authentic life is bold, and it's free, and it's focused, all right? First of all, an authentic life, a life that's really lived authentically, that makes an impact, that's productive, is bold. Here we go, 1 Thessalonians 2.2, the very next verse. It says, though we had already suffered... And been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. Let me say it again. Though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. 
Here's the definition of bold. In, in, the, in the Greek, in that essence, when this was actually written, boldness meant that you could speak freely. You could speak freely. You were bold. You weren't hiding anything, and you, you had a confidence that gave you courage just to speak freely. And then, but if you have that, you know what happens, you guys? The next thing that will happen is it leads you to the ability to take risks, right? To take risks. That's somebody who's bold, man. They take risks. Guys, do you remember the first time you asked somebody out on a date, right? It took a risk. It took boldness. And then, do you remember when you actually let somebody know how you felt about them? I, I remember with Susie, man, it was like to lay myself out there to reveal my heart, to take that risk. And it's a risk, right? Because why is it a risk? Because once you really let somebody know how you feel, they could do what? Shut you down. And so many times we don't do that. It was so interesting. When we moved here 10 years ago, in fact, I, we had dinner at a restaurant, uh, just uh, Susie and I, on Friday night. The, way, the, the chef came out afterwards, and it was awesome. And he was just talking to us and, and finding out who we were. And he found out I was a pastor. And he's like, wow, that's so interesting. And he, he found out our store. And I said, yeah, we actually moved here from, from Michigan to plant a church in Salt Lake City. And I don't know if he said this, but this was his mainly his comments. That's bold. Tough audience, he said. <laughs> you know? And... And what was, that's what he said, <laughs> tough audience. See, and, and when we did, people were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you sold your homes, quit your jobs, left your families. That was bold. It was risky to come out here to start a church. And what's interesting is Paul, in the midst of that, his risk, when he took this risk, it resulted in suffering, shameful treatment, and much conflict. But can I just ask you guys something? Is there, is there anybody who's ever changed the world that didn't face those things? Any person who had boldness to say there's something not right and I'm going to step foot for it. They face that. There's suffering, there's conflict, and there's shameful treatment. It's what happens if you're bold. But here's what I love about a bold person, right? If somebody's bold, at least you know what they're thinking, right? <laughs> at least that. At least it's out there. They're authentic. But can I just say, especially to all you Christians here, Please hear me. When I say that you and I, and Paul says, if you're going to be authentic, you've got to be bold. Bold does not mean brash. You guys know that? Big difference. The definition of bold and the definition of brash do not have to come together. Jesus was never like, wow, what a brash guy. Was he? Was he bold? Absolutely. So boldness isn't brashness, but boldness is this. It's a deep-seated confidence that causes you to be courageous, and it gives you the ability to take risks and to speak freely. And here's what I want to challenge you guys on. If you're not bold, if you don't speak freely, then there's really no authenticity. And all of us, haven't you? All of us have had things inside of our heart that are real and true to us and yet we never speak them out. And that's not authentic. There's no reality there. And here's the other thing. If, so if you can't be authentic and freely and boldly speak what you believe and what you are, you'll have no impact. And here's what's crazy, you guys. So Christians, here's what's true about all of us, this challenge here. Last, last week we learned 
that when you receive the gospel and, and, and God became real to you, all of a sudden it's like it says that the light was turned on to life and immortality. Like all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, God has opened up my eyes. And I start to really understand what life is about. And I have light has come on to immortality. That's why we're doing this series. I realize I'm actually going to live forever. And that should change everything. And so, and if you are a sincere believer of Christ, if you actually have a relationship with God, like, like I do, here's what's crazy is, I receive stuff from God, don't you? Okay. Now, I... No, because I know a lot of, here's, here's the truth. A lot of people who go to church don't. But if you know God, then it's all about receiving things from God. He is leading me all the time, and he is speaking to me. And I'm receiving his strength, and I'm receiving his grace, thank you, and his mercy. I actually receive his love. And so here's this awesome deal that's going on inside of me. And then... Nobody can know it. You guys know what I'm talking about? How many people at your work know that about you? How many people in your neighborhood know that about you? I, had, I think I shared this last year, but I had a friend, Kat, that when she came to Christ, she, it, it was real, like we're talking about. And so she had her Bible at work, you know, and it sat on the table. And so all of a sudden, this one guy comes in. He goes, Kat, he goes, are you a Christian? <laughs> and she goes, yeah. He goes, me too. And she, and, and she had known him for years, worked with him for years. And she goes, you mean you've always known this and you never told me? See, see what I'm talking about? What impact did he have on her life? None. What impact are you having? If you aren't bold, and I'm not talking brash and stupid, because there's a lot of stupid Christians. I'm... I'm talking bold, free to tell you what is life to me. Now, here's the second one. So I'm telling you, an authentic life is bold because you're free to be you. And that's the only way you'll ever have impact on another human being. And when you're laying in your deathbed one day, all you're going to want to wish is, why didn't I say anything to so-and-so? Why did I keep this to myself? Well, let's figure out. Here's the next one. How can we be bold and here's what it is. Then an authentic life is free. And I know, I think I put, uh, I forgot to change this. Uh, uh, it's uh, true. But as I thought more last night, really an authentic life is free. Let's look at this. The appeal that we made, so his exhortation, Paul's like, man, I, I just had to let you know about this. That we make, it doesn't spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. And you know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, but not from you or anyone else. This is how you live an authentic life that actually produces stuff. Let's look at these five things. He says, first of all, he goes, we didn't, we didn't do this in air. And that means like a mental wandering. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the word picture of that word. It's like a mental wandering, basically where you start to lead people astray from what is really right. And Paul's like, I didn't do that, man. I, I didn't give my message in air. Secondly, impure motives. The word really is just impurity, and it's always used. Paul, every, time, every, other, every other time he uses that word, 
It's to do with sexual immorality. In other words, there were people back then who believed in these gods, and if the person who was bringing the message to them, if you could have sexual relationships with them, then somehow it gave you access to the gods. Okay, so that's just a that's a that's a whole other culture. I don't think we're all doing that here, but um, but basically in that day, Paul was saying, "Listen, I know other people are really using this just to have sex with you." We didn't do that. Number three, he goes, and I wasn't trying to trick you. There was no trickery. There wasn't any deceit. I wasn't saying what you wanted to hear. And then he goes, and I didn't use flattery. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't doing excessive praise. That's, you know, that's what flattery is, right? You say all these wonderful things about somebody, but it's really so that your interests get met. That's what flattery is. He goes, I wasn't doing that. And I didn't put on a mask covering up my greed. <laughs> you know what greed is, you guys? It's not just money. Greed is intense, selfish desire for something more. Greed is, man, I want something. And what he's saying is, I didn't put on a mask to cover that up. So last night I was going through this, and I just thought, you know what that sounds like to me? Those five things. Sounds like dating. Doesn't it? I mean, all of us have done this, right? We've all dated and we've done this. We've had mental wandering, leading others to believe things about us that aren't really true. <clears throat> We've had totally sexually impure motives. And then we tried to trick them. We act ways that aren't really us, you know, because we think that they're actually going to like this, and we're scared that they might find out who we really are. And then we say nice things about them, <laughs> but really the whole reason we're doing that is so that they'll like us. And then we mask to cover up our intense, selfish desires for something more, which is usually number two, okay? <laughs> so... <clears throat> And, and, and what's interesting is that's what happens. And, and you know, so you know what I do in premarital? In premarital, all I'm trying to do is go, okay, let's tear down all those stupid walls you put up. Let's tear down all the fake stuff that you put on because that's going to come up in your marriage and it'll bite you. So let's be authentic because you're going to be authentic as soon as you live with each other every day. Right, all you married people? <laughs> Like, all of a sudden, all that crap you put in front of everybody else is gone. It's like, hey, I know, this is me. Sorry. <laughs> but here's what's interesting. I'm not going to be who I really am. Why not? Because I'm too afraid if I let you see the real me, you're not going to like me. So, what Paul says in the midst of this, in all this, he goes, all these things Paul says were used, flattery, deceit, trickery, all those things were least to, used to please others and to get praise from others. Now, if I'm trying to please you, or if I'm trying to get praise from you, who am I actually thinking about? Me. This is interesting. So if you're living an inauthentic life, it's really because you're all about you. And I'll tell you what, man. If you're all about you, how impactful is your life going to be on another human being? It's not. It was fake. It was empty. It was vain. And Paul, in this passage, he goes, Can I tell you, man, I didn't do any of those things, man. I was all out me. I laid it before you. I was true to myself. I was completely true in my interaction with you because I wasn't trying to please you or get praise from you. Can I tell you, man, this is so cool. Just yesterday, 
I was just took our kids to the pool, and I pulled out a book, and I was reading this chapter, and it was for today. I had no idea. Listen to this. Almost all human love is to get something. That's why we call it conditional. Almost all human love is conditional. If you're good, if you're good looking, if you're nice, if you can provide security, if you can, if you are these things, I love you. Well, who do you really love? You. And you just love them because they bring you those things. So you're trying to, so we love actually to get. And the opposite of that is loving to give. And, and this is where, you guys, we need so much help. I think this is so much at the, at the core. Because if we're loving to get, the only reason we're doing that is because somehow there's a deficit in my heart. I need you to accept me. I need you to like me. I need you to value me. I need you to believe in me. And so I'll love you a certain way because that actually will help me. And I'm telling you what, an authentic person is, is somebody who's finally getting to the point where it's like, no, I'm free from all that so that I can actually not love to get, I can actually love to give. I can love to give you. And in this book that I was reading, he says, you know what we're trying to get when we love people like that? We're trying to get our worth. I need to know I'm good enough. I need to know I'm valuable enough. And that's why we're seeking. It's like I'm, I'm empty inside. There's something missing inside. So I'll be what you need me to be. So I'll please you. I got to get praise from you because my heart's empty. And then the next thing you know, you totally end up living your whole life for yourself. And you're going to lay in your deathbed and go, crap. I'm sorry. Sorry, Laura. Saying, she's trying to help me not say that word anymore. And I will work on that. But that's what you're going to say. <clears throat> you can be very frustrated. And so here's the question. How can we live an authentic life that's bold enough to speak freely about who we are? And how can we live an authentic life that's free enough to say, I don't need you to be anything for me so that I can actually impact you? And here's the answer, you guys. An authentic life is focused. An authentic life is focused. So here's what Paul said. He goes, our boldness, when he was talking about suffering and persecution and all this hardship, he goes, I still was completely bold before you. But remember what the verse was? You probably don't. Here's what it said. His boldness was in God. He goes, I had boldness in God that allowed me to be who I was before you. And then he says, we're not trying to please men. We're trying to please God. I'm not trying to please you. And by the way, this is why this was such an impactful, because anybody, other people pleasers out there? I think this is so, fr this is such a good message for me, because I'm like going, dad gummit, I want everybody to like me. And, and that's what I live for. If I live for peace and get along with everybody, then I'm going to sit there at the end of my days, and you guys are all like, what a great guy. And then some of you may never be in heaven with me, because I wanted you to like me more than I wanted to be honest with you about what is really life. See you guys hearing this? This is, this is a crazy challenge. So here's the deal. Paul says, my boldness was in God, and I'm not trying to please men. I'm trying to please God. You guys, the reason we love to get things from people instead of giving things to them is because we still 
need it. We still don't have it. I need your esteemed value of me because I don't feel valuable. I need your love and acceptance because I don't feel loved and accepted. And so we end up living ultimately for ourselves, faking this. And here's, I love this verse. Jesus Christ died for all, that those who live would no longer live for themselves. You guys see, can you tell how freeing that would be? Can you imagine how awesome it would be to, to wake up in the morning and not have to put on all your masks to try to get everybody else's approval and their favor and their, to be free? Jesus died for us so that we wouldn't live for ourselves. We wouldn't live to get anymore, but we would live for him who died and was raised again. You guys, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, that's all gospel, the greatest news in all the world is that Jesus came to take away our sin. And every human being is, is cursed with, the Bible calls us, sin, which means your heart is bent towards yourself. And, and so because of that, everybody's trying to take care of this hole in their heart. Well, God, Jesus says, he goes, I came to take away your sin so that your heart can finally be free from living for yourself. But here's the other thing, man. The gospel of Jesus Christ fills you with the one who esteems you, values you, accepts you, and loves you. And every human heart is trying to find that in other places, and we're all living these fake, goofy lives. And God says, I want to set you free from that because I do love you. I do esteem you. I do value you so much, you guys, that you were given worth. Let me give you two ways that you can know how worthy. You're trying to get worth. God goes, you know how worthy you are to me? You know how much worth you are? I created you. Let's just start right there. I created you. You only exist because God wanted you on this planet. That's how valuable you are to him. And you know what's so cool, you guys? You know what marriage is? Marriage was supposed to be this beautiful replication of two people who love each other so much that when they come together, they get to produce, create another life that they what? Love. That's what marriage was for. Marriage was for two people to come together with so much love that now out of that they go, they create another life. It's just like God created you because he loves you. Man, I tell you, I have been around a lot of new babies lately. Anybody else? There's new babies everywhere. <laughs> I'm telling you, you, you're around a mom and a dad. This is when dads get goofy, right? All that manhood stuff just melts away with new babies. We just love them. Think about your kids, you guys. How worth, how valuable is your kid to you? That's how valuable you are to God. He loved you so much, he created you so he could love you. And secondly, you guys, you are so, you are given worth to God through his salvation that Jesus would give his life to you when you could care less about him. He didn't ask you to get your life together. He didn't ask you to go to church. He didn't ask you to be righteous. He didn't ask you to do anything. He said, I'll take you exactly as you are. I'll die for you authentically who you really are. That's how valuable you are to him. So that he could take away your sin and so that he could bring you to himself so that he could be with you every single moment of every day and lead you to eternity. 
See, when the light comes on like that and you finally realize the gospel, you know what happens? You start to become free from yourself and now you live so you can give. So, band's gonna come up and here's what I wanna challenge you guys. For you to lay on your deathbed someday and be able to say, I was bold, I spoke freely, I don't have regrets that I wimped out for you to lay on your deathbed one day and go, and I was me. Apparently, every human being wants to go, I wish I would have been me. For you to lay on your deathbed and said, I was free from myself so I could give myself away. The answer to that is you got to be bold in God and you got to find your pleasure in God. Paul said, I don't live to please you. You know what? I live to please him. And you know why I want to please him? Because I am so unbelievably pleased. <laughs> I am so loved by God. I can't believe what he does for me. Here's what I know. We were talking, Emily and, and, and uh, Anthony, this week, the other worship leader, about this. Here's what I know. Boldness in God only comes from experiencing God. I can tell you this right now. When I'm just lukewarm, which Jesus said, I'm going to spit that out of my mouth. He says, when I'm lukewarm in my, in my engagement with God, I'm not bold at all. Anybody else? When I'm, not, when I'm not really fired and when I'm not experiencing God in my life, then I'm about me and I don't want to say anything. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to. But I can tell you this, man. When I'm experiencing God and he is loving me and setting me free and filling me up and he's real to me, you know what happens? I get bold. I get bold. And that's so my only answer, it's not, you guys, hey, be more bold. You know? It's not that. Hey, be more real. No, it's not that. You know what it is? Be more caught up in God. Seek him with all your heart. Run after him with every fiber of your being. We're going to worship right now. This is not singing songs. This is for you to have a chance to really engage your heart and tell him again how much you love him, to remind yourself he's worth it. And I tell you this, man. You and I, if God is really, cranking in our lives. We'll be able to lay on our deathbed one day, and we'll be able to be like Paul. No regrets. I was bold. I was free, because I was totally caught up in God.